This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry. This podcast is protected by Lord Hunter the Foulmouthed, Lady Amanda of House Ryan, Lady Rajal of House Stevens, Sir Ron of House Golson, Lord Robert the Unfrozen of House Butler, Lord Paramount of Skagos Island. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight, Fist of the Dragon, Maker of Gains. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful, Stealer of Hearts, Bandit of Time, Hero of Shreve. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Tyrion 1 of A Clash of Kings, and in our Maester's study we will be discussing Sir Mandon Moore. Yeah, you know, hey, these extra titles, we gotta get them in, man. It's the second book. Right. There's everyone's upgraded. Yep. And we had to as well. We did. Yeah. We, we and for that. our loyal for our loyal listeners and bannermen, uh, hedge knights, sworn swords. Yeah. Be sure. You know, people have been doing it in the Facebook group. They've been saying, you know, I'm upgrading my titles as well. Yeah. We've been through. We've been through some trials and tribulations. We have. OK. We have. We fought some battles together. We watched season eight. We laughed. We cried. Yeah. We got angry. Yep. We canceled our HBO subscriptions. We did. Yes, we did. <laughs> okay. Uh I mean there's there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in this in this past year, okay? Yep. I know, man. It and you know what? We've earned those titles. So we're mm-hmm. the you know, I think it's every once in a while we gotta we gotta use them, we gotta throw Ez, them out there. Yeah, Ez fought a great battle in Shreve. Uh, it'll be I did. It, it'll be a f it'll be a fun story to tell at some point. I, I did. Someone actually brought up our Q and A session we had not too long ago and I thought, you know, down the line, uh, in a couple mm-hmm. more months maybe we'll do another one. But boy did I I fought an epic battle at you Shreve. Did. Yeah. And I I won it single handedly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that later. Um, Perfect. But uh, how you been, man? You been all right? Hey, I'm good. You know, uh, what was it? What, what was I talking about last week? Oh, I was talking about how I was going to go see Cher in concert. Yeah, um, I did. It was it was great. Actually, it was a really it was actually really good. I you know, I'm didn't really realize that I knew that many Cher songs. Um, <laughs> she's 73, which is a trivia answer. Oh, lady, uh, lady Becky. Lady Becca, yeah, Becca, yeah, Becky, yeah, McGrath there, um, yeah, she won. Cher is seventy three. She did not look like she was seventy three. No way. I yeah, think, yeah, I think part in it to her plastic surgery, but oh, okay, yeah, okay. She wore like the full costumes. You know, you didn't think you'd see a seventy three year old woman out there wearing you know like the full Cher costumes, but she looked great. I mean, yeah. I'll just go ahead and I'll just go ahead and say it. Yeah, she looked good. I mean, what's <laughs> she- up? Share. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, didn't you say that she said uh, during the show, like she she kind of told her story and like about being mm-hmm. an actress and also being a yeah yeah it was like, it was kind of a big 
it was like, well, okay, so she didn't sing. I definitely think there was some lip syncing going on, which is fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, like, there was definitely moments where she was clearly singing, but it was kind of like she did so many costume changes. Uh, she changed the costume, like, you know, through every about every measure. Uh, and Gee. it was it, it was great. It's kind of like the Oregon Ducks out there. Uh, yeah. Different costumes, you know, every right. every play. So, yeah. uh, but it was it was cool. And so when she was doing that, they were like showing some like video clips and some other stuff. But uh, it was yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, man. You know, she's seventy three. She's just doing what she wants to do. Yeah, living her life, and it's it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, she's like back off. You know, she did, yeah. yeah we answered we answered a lot of a lot of questions. You know, huh. do you do you believe in life after life? I do. You okay? do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> what would you do if you could turn back time? I don't know. Oh. Uh, people, people, people would be like, probably, probably hit the 30 second skip button on my podcast player right. at this point. So, <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, that's great. That's cool. Yeah. Man, I haven't been to a, a concert in a, in a bit, actually, you know, mm-hmm. like actually gone to like a, a musical concert. Like we have um, in Columbus, we have a place called The Basement which I've mm-hmm. been to before, which is pretty cool. Really hot and sweaty. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, it's good. Tato Heads. Mm-hmm. Been to some concerts there. Oh, my. <laughs> almost died. <laughs> almost died That there. was playing a concert. Where was the concert we played at that comedy club? Oh, my back gosh. In the days, was back in the days, Circleville. Back in the days when we were, when we, when we were in a band. Yeah. yeah. There you go. We were in a band at one there point. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's out of the bag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, those were fun. Those were fun days. Yeah, so I play. Of. I play guitar. Ez plays banjo. Yeah, no big deal. No big deal. Um, yeah, that was that was crazy. But yeah. So, anyways, um, dude. I mean, Thanksgiving's coming up. You know, you got mm-hmm. any got any big plans? Um, yeah, did a did one side of family Thanksgiving uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. I did another. We're doing the other side of family Thanksgiving this coming Thursday. Yeah. Last year, I don't know if you guys remember, but I was really sick. I got really sick around Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's because I went to about 20 holiday parties between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so this year I said, no, I'm putting a cap on it. Yep. Six. That's it. So we're, we did one. Next, Thursday is two. And the, so you get four Christmas parties. Four. Yeah. That's it. Dude, it's crazy, so, isn't it? Like sometimes you got like a, a Friendsgiving. You've got the Christmas version yeah. of that. You've got... Yeah, just a lot, lot. I mean, it's a it's, it's a great time. I love this time of year, but it's just it can mm-hmm. be overwhelming. Yeah. So, and we've got we. I mean, we've got uh, a clash of kings to read, my friend. So we're it's we're true. like guys. Hey, sorry. I mean, save us a plate. Obviously, we'll be back for seconds. Yeah. But jeez, what's your what's your what's your go to Thanksgiving food? Oh man, man. That, okay. Wow. Put me on the spot here. The first thing that popped in my mind, obviously, was was you know turkey, but then second to that was was uh, sweet potatoes, right? So yams, whatever you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's I, I love yeah. I you know I love I'm a great I'm a great I'm a gravy person. That's that's really what I look forward to really? most on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, if you pour gravy on your food, uh, you know, over your entire plate, any other day in the year than thanksgiving <laughs> people kind of look at you weird right like yeah. oh buddy <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> but you do it on thanksgiving and it's like ah, you know it's, yeah. dude it's like yeah you, that you, looks no, that's, that's a pretty good idea that's, like, yeah that's pretty good yeah uh, yeah any other day they see it and they're like wow that yeah guy, any, that guy's any, calling any, it quits any, he's calling it any quits. other day <laughs> whoa man yeah <laughs> oh geez that's great yeah i think i'm only going um 
just yeah, you know, sneaking in one little quick two three hour thing, and then uh, mm-hmm. you know hitting the gym before obviously mm-hmm. so we got that and then dude this weekend i think we're working on a lot more content so it's true well ob- well i mean not saturday i mean saturday well sunday yeah are you saying you're not saturday playing? saturday well sa- well saturday saturday i i have i have plans i have plans are you kidding me guys here i'm is. going i'm going to well i'm going to a war you're going to there's, oh. there's a war the civil war on Saturday. I'm, yeah. I gotta go. I, we get we get tickets, so we're 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 gonna go to that. I mean, after obviously we watch the Ohio State was, University beat the team up north. Yeah, there so. we go. Yeah, as I was say, right, yeah, it is a good weekend and a good week for for mm-hmm. football for sure. So mm-hmm. as we actually have a Raven, we have a lot of we Ravens do. today. We have by a lot of way. Ravens today. So we'll get to that. We have some a couple of football references and Q and A stuff. So uh, we mm-hmm. will we will get there. But um, all right, man. I mean, wow. Let's see. Do we have so first up? You have a special shout out. I think we got some. some I do. Shout outs. I do have. I do have uh, one very uh, special shout out here to uh, Lady Ashley of House Garner. So if you guys remember a while back, I we've been talking a lot about 2020 and what our plans are in terms of you know season two of Bend the Knee, which is Clash of Kings. Uh, you know we've talked about how we're launching other podcasts things like that and one of the things i said that what we want to do is on our patreon series we've been doing that uh we did a couple of episodes back in the day but um mead meat and cheese where we go through the game of thrones cookbook yeah and um you know i bought like a camera i'm gonna buy a new uh, computer here so i can do some you know can handle some video editing because my uh my my macbook's getting a little long in the tooth here um so um, I think those are probably I'm probably looking I'm around end of January February for those and uh, Lady Ashley here actually um, I looks to me like uh, certainly some sort of a side uh, hustle uh, she has like a business where she sells ghee which uh, for yeah. people who don't know it's uh, clarified butter it's like you know like high-end butter it's really freaking good um and so she reached out to us and said hey you know i would um, be willing to send you guys uh, some of my my stuff here and you could uh kind of use it for that mead meat and uh cheese series that you're going to do on um patreon and well and well it's gonna be on youtube now mm-hmm. and yeah. uh so i was like absolutely um uh, always down for for that so um she sent uh, me a box of around, I think it's around like five or six of these things, which it looks like she sells for around like nine dollars or something like that. I was like, you know, that's a lot of stuff to send out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're uh, different flavors. Um, there's like a, a chocolate one. There is a, like a Himalayan salt. There's a vanilla one. Um, and I have used two of them. I've so far I've used the. Um, let me pull it up here because I have it here. I have used the there's a ranch one which I okay. used uh, with some steak I made, and uh, then I used then we used the vanilla bean one and a pumpkin pie crust that uh, we made yesterday for uh, one of the Thanksgivings. And I gotta say, man, uh, he, do you want my official my official review here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really fucking good. Uh, is is what is what it is. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, be sure to check that out. I think her company is called Churn Ghee. You can uh, I I found it on Instagram. I just typed it in, uh, came right up, and of course she reached out to us. Um, and so yeah, I want to say thank you for that. Um, and I will be certainly using some of that stuff when I do the uh, Mead Meat and Cheese series here coming at the beginning of uh, next year. But yeah, so huge shout out to her. Um, check that out. Yeah, it's uh, I can attest it's went great with my steak i was like this is 
Dang. It's really good. So, dude, I I just had to look it up. I've never even you know heard of that before, and it's uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's it's G. Yeah, she really gave she yeah G H E E. She gave the uh, she gave the um uh, the thing here, and and she sent us a big raven about it. And so she was saying she has a culinary background. Her business is making and selling artesian ghee, which is clarified butter. Uh, if you aren't familiar with it, uh, it starts out with normal butter that is simmered long enough for the milk solids or the dairy parts to um, solidify. Then they are strained out, and what's left is pure butter fat. Gee. Let me tell you, if there's three words I love, <laughs> it's pure butter fat. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, she says the butter fat is where all the flavor comes from. In fact, clarified butter is the first thing you learn how to make in culinary school because it has a concentrated, rich butter flavor, and it can be used for cooking at a very high temperature all the way up to 485. Um, yeah, and so... I you know I don't really know a lot about uh, I mean you know I think you and I both uh, spent some times cooking at restaurants when we were like sixteen yeah. but um, yeah I was flipping burgers yep <laughs> yeah we were really just kind of flipping burgers so that's about as far as making my, hush puppies uh, man I was making hush puppies yeah yeah you were well you worked at you worked at yeah uh, Hardee's or Carl's Jr. for us West Coast folk yep, yep. and um, Long John Silver's yeah man I I think I I think I hold the unofficial record for um, world's you know largest hush puppy ever made i love those things dude they're good i i i think they're i think they're delicious yeah they're great they're great that place was oh, yeah god crazy but yeah i mean there's I, a lot of there's a lot of butter fat there absolutely yeah <laughs> so so absolutely so anyway so yeah i just want to say uh super thanks uh for sending that out it's uh i can attest it's 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 pretty solid so and it she shipped it out and it came out in like two days so it's like all right this is pretty awesome well, that's awesome. We'll try to we'll uh, share some of her stuff on our social media, and then we'll try to put a link mm-hmm. down in the description for you guys so you can go go check that out because that sounds awesome. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So super thank you for that. Okay. Um. All right. Now over to uh, the captain's report, and this week this one kind of hit home for me. I, I I actually I get where Lord Robert is coming from in this question. So uh, this this past report was the, the question was. Is Quentin Martell actually alive? And I mean, I, I hope so. That would be really cool. That would be great because I was so, you know, for him making it and, and he was trying to um, persuade Daenerys and he's on the secret mission from his father. It's really cool. But man, I don't think so. I do not think he's alive. Uh, but one can hope, I guess. And overwhelmingly, we had people who just said no. And we had a few other people who were who were hopeful. Um, if there are any theories out there on this, I don't know if there are. Actually, I've never really come across any theories that would suggest that maybe he is alive. Uh, I think he mm-hmm. was pretty well dead, but you never know. I mean, what's you know, what's dead may never. What's dead may never die. Right, and people people come back uh, <laughs> from from the grave, if you will, or, or from from the dead. So who knows? That would be crazy. So, anyways, I thought that was interesting because I, I like his character and I. I was really rooting for him, and he it's weird because how he shows up in the series is just sort of like abrupt, and you're like, oh, there's this whole, you know, Dorn thread, and you're you're invested, and then it's just clip done, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah. you got me all, all roped into this guy and his companions, and then and then here he goes. So, anyways, uh, there's, there's that. So, uh, okay, all right, so we look forward to the captain's report uh, each week. And thank you to Lord Robert. Um, so over to the Maester's study. I, this is a, it's sort of a, you know, each, we've kind of trimmed up the Maester's study. We're not doing, 
big in-depth stuff, although we have talked mm-hmm. about going uh, when we get closer to the the new show, maybe looking at, at some of the A Dance of Dragons and going back and covering some of the histories. And for those of you who have asked about that, we know that there's some a conversation in the group. Um, there was, and it was a few few comments about it. We, we did cover some of those histories. We kind of stopped with... Um, as we got into season eight, we we stopped with fire and blood, but I think we had gotten well into or past the uh, Dance of Dragons. I think, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, we were we were past it because we were already talking about um, oh, what's his name, Kragen Stark, the Hour of the Wolf. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So so those are there. You can go back and listen to those. Uh, but we will do an updated you know version as we get closer to the show and we get more details and all that kind of stuff. So, but these have been. Pretty cool, just just drawing attention to some of our minor characters and looking at other houses or landmarks or what have you. And and this week we're looking at Sir Mandon Moore. Uh, he's a mm-hmm. knight from House Moore. He's a member of King Robert Baratheon's Kingsguard, and that's kind of a big deal, you know, to be one of those individuals who was a part of his Kingsguard. But then you you, you kind of look at like how many people were left over from from this king or that king. So we know Sir Barristan Selmy. Uh, and Sir Jamie uh, Lannister were, were left over from, like, the Mad King, you know, Aerys Targaryen. And to be then someone who was selected, one of the first people selected into Robert Baratheon's new King's Guard is, is kind of cool. He's, he's an interesting guy. Um, he's interesting in that he's a scary dude, you know. He's he's kind of known as, uh, in this chapter anyways, he's just really hard to read. Right. Um, they talk about well, his pale he- gray eyes. You know, right? Because he, he has a pretty, pretty ugly face, so it's hard to really read that's it. Right. What Tyrion says. Yeah, that's what, yeah. That's yeah. what we'll get to. Yeah, and so he—he's one of those. He's just sort of a ruthless guy. Is what what he feels like. He's very cold and 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 standoffish. Um, he's described as having yeah pale gray eyes, oddly flat and lifeless. Uh, he unnerves Sansa Stark. Bronn thinks that um, that his eyes. He has the eyes of a fish. And Sansa thinks uh, he has a curiously dead face. Mm. And uh, there may be some foreshadowing there. Is there something there? Maybe, maybe. Uh, so he's he's skilled. He is dangerous. Uh, Jamie Lannister does consider him uh, very dangerous and something that, that Tyrion notes. He's one of the more skilled Kingsguard, if you will. So there's that. He's cl- he knows or is associated with Surveillance Swan. He's from the Airy. He's from the Vale of Aaron. So John Aaron was was the person who kind of brought him along, and uh, the, and then it's then King Robert who names him to his King's Guard. So uh, there's that. More on him. He actually does play a pretty big p- uh, part later on um, with Tyrion, and you, you, as you guys who have read um, the series will know that he's someone who he's. What do you call it? Not a thorn in Tyrion's side, but a... Well, yeah, kind of. Maybe a thorn in his neck. He tries to be anyways. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about him as, as he comes up. But a dangerous guy. Someone we got we got to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, lo- look at that. So what's interesting is, is well, yeah, it's it's sort of through his character that we get introduced to other knights who will join the King's Guard later on and stuff. So uh, because of the actions that he takes at, at Blackwater Bay and everything. So... Right. Um, yeah. But anyways, yeah, just a quick little uh, mention. He's mentioned right away in the beginning of this chapter, so I thought we'd pull pull that out and talk about it just a little bit. So, Okay. All right. All right. Well, uh, you ready for the reread? Yes. Here we go. Okay. So last week we were in uh, Sansa 1. Uh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Sansa uh, 
attends the attorney on King Joffrey's name day. After several poor con- uh, contests, Joffrey becomes enraged when Sir Dauntus Hollard arrives half-naked and too drunk to compete. Sansa manages to convince Joffrey to make Dauntus his new fool instead of executing him. Afterward, while Prince Tommen is riding against a Quinta- a Quintain, Tyrion Lannister arrives to assume his position as acting Hand of the King, which brings us to this week, Tyrion 1. Um, but the last time we were with Tyrion was in a Game of Thrones, Tyrion 9, where news of Rob Stark's victory at Riverrun prompts vigorous debate amongst the Lannister officers. After dismissing the officers, Lord Tywin details their precarious position to Tyrion and dispatches him to King's Landing to serve as acting Hand of the King and keep Joffrey from ruining them all. In spite of his father's direct command, Tyrion intends to bring Shay with him, which, as we'll see in this chapter, was maybe not the best idea. Right. Uh, so this week, uh, Tyrion won a Clash of Kings. Tyrion Lannister meets with the small council and assumes his position as acting Hand of the King. After dismissing the council, he and Cersei discuss all that has happened in King's Landing, and Cersei uh, grudgingly accepts him as Hand. Later, Tyrion travels to the Broken Anvil, where he ha- where he finds Varys has already discovered his mistress, Shay. Mm. Yeah, I had a curious thought in this, and, and I, it's, it's probably going to be one of those moments where... Uh, Sir Ezra wasn't as watchful as he should Uh-oh. be. Yeah, Uh-oh. I know. I'm already prefacing who it with can, that. Hey, they do discuss. They who do. Kills John Aaron. They, it it, it this, actually came back to this chapter. In, in this chapter, so, uh, it is uh, entirely possible. Uh, People were reading the chapter and they were just sort of like, "Well, there you go again, Sir Ezra." Right. right and Terry's like, "So wait, who actually did kill?" And I'm like, "Oh my god." Oh gosh! Seven hells. Seven hells. So uh, okay. So I always like to read just the first little bit here. So uh, in the chilly white remnant of the King's Guard, Sir Mandon Moore looked like a corpse in shroud. His grace left orders: the council in session is not to be disturbed. I would only be a small disturbance, sir. Tyrion slid the parchment from his sleeve. I bear a letter from my father, Lord Tywin Lannister, the hand of the king. This, uh, There is his seal. Her grace does not want to be disturbed, Sir Mandan repeated slowly, as if Tyrion were a dullard who had not heard him for the first time. Jamie had once told him that Moore was the most dangerous of the Kingsguard, accepting uh, himself, ex- uh, except himself. Always because his face gave no hint as to what he, he might do next. Tyrion would have welcomed a hint. Bronn and Timmet could likely kill a knight if it came to swords, but it would l- it would scarcely bode well if he began slaying one of Joffrey's protectors. Yet if he let the man turn him away, where was his authority? He made himself smile. Sir Mandan, you have not met my companions. This is Timmet, son of Timmet, a red hand of the Burn Man, and this is Bronn. Perchance you recall Sir Vardis Egan, who was the captain of Lord Aaron's household guard. Uh, he says, you know, I know the man. Sir Mandon's eyes were pale, gray, oddly flat, and lifeless. New, Bronn corrected with a thin smile. Mm. Yeah, so so yeah. trying to m- m- make a dig there, and, and uh, based mm-hmm. on what we, what we know, I mean, he, he, he knows him well enough, uh, one, because he's from the Vale himself. And this is mm-hmm. probably you know someone who maybe he looked up to or grew up with or what have you and 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 knew about. So Bronn's no joke, you know. I mean, he's he's yeah he's he, yeah as as we often say, and he's no slouch. No, right. You got to watch out for him. So, and that's what what you know Tyrion's kind of flexing his air quote muscle here a little bit, saying this is this is where we're at. And you know this guy is just has instructions to not let anybody 
anybody pass. And really, the next couple moments here, you see that unreadable expression. He stands there. Although he may be pondering and thinking about what to do, he lets nothing be revealed on his face. And mm. so then he, you know, ultimately he, he decides to step aside and he lets just Tyrion pass. Uh, he will not mm-hmm. let uh, his companions go with him. So, and then he's going to go in here and kind of interrupt the the council. But, you know, as as we talk about this, and I could be, this is where I could be having one of my blunders Uh-oh. here. Yeah, I know. But, so when when he's in here and he's talking to Cersei, and the whole time he's trying to persuade her, you know, to let, th- that he should be hand of the king, some of the stuff that he says that his father knew and that his father sent him here to, like, did he explicitly say that stuff to Tyrion, or is Tyrion just using this knowing that she doesn't know, really? He just has this letter, he's been with his father, and he can sort of use some of that against her. You, like, when we get well, into it, you, you'll maybe kind of see what I'm talking about. Like, I don't know. Why don't uh, I'll go back and check that previous chapter, which is the final Tyrion chapter in that book, and I'll see exactly what it is he says to him. Yeah, okay, okay, cool. Cause it so would, I'll, I'll, I'll pull that up here if you uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll guide it. I'll, what's going I'll on guide us through. It just made me think, because I'm, I'm kind of uh, curious just as to, like, because he's very persuasive, and it's just interesting how he knew the game was afoot, and so he... Uh, he definitely plays it well. So here we go. So we get a small victory um, just in, in that he's, he's allowed to, to enter. Uh, and when he does, the first thing, very much like Joffrey, Cersei just says, you. Uh, and uh, so she can't believe that he's there. Uh, and, and Tyrion says, I can see where Joffrey learned his courtesies. So he looks around. Now, I thought, interesting, they mentioned twice, maybe three times in this chapter, the Valyrian Sphinxes. And it mm-hmm. keeps, that actually took me back to my... Um, right, the Sphinx. Uh, the, yeah, the Sphinx, and then also it being Valyrian, and possibly then being um, Aegon's sister. You know, being the the lost uh, Targaryen girl, who they say is dead. You know, mm-hmm. the the Mad King's. Um, so, I, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that would be Rhaegar's yeah, um, daughter, right. right? Because, yeah, yeah, and so I, th- that kind of threw me. I was thinking. Man, I wonder if that's another hint towards what. But but the only reason I discounted my theory on that was because George actually came right out and said, "No, she's dead." And I really just hope he's lying. And there's something. There's more to uh, the Sphinx than than we realize. But that's for another time. So, anyways, there's that. Uh, he mentions it when he uh, walks in here, and he'll mention this, the Valyrian Sphinxes again as he leaves. But she wants to know what he's doing here. What is he doing here? He's studying her lovely green eyes, um, and you know, he says, "Delivering a letter from our Lord Father." So he yeah. saunters over so, the table and and places it up there. Yeah, did you find it? Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So I have I have some of it. I have some of it pulled up here. Although uh, yeah. Um. So he says, you know, uh, this is from Tyrion Nine in the in a Game of Thrones. If Cersei cannot curb the boy, you must. Uh. But that's really about all he says. He doesn't really say anything. Uh. Specific. He's just you know you're my son, and then he says you know don't take, you will not take that horde court. I mean that's just about i mean that's about it the rest of the conversation they're having is all about what are we going to do to get jamie back and yeah. dealing and de- and dealing with rob so that is i mean that's really about it okay the only thing i think that you you could find you know you know how sometimes george writes and like later on a, a couple chapters from now we might learn that okay this is something that before he left his father told him uh, right. know, some of these some of his um thoughts on the council and who maybe was the traitor this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and really 
We'll get to it because it's almost like he gives Cersei an out. Instead of saying, hey, you've been giving bad advice to Joffrey, there must be someone. Father thinks there's someone on the council, you know, and it's almost like, oh, crap. Like, it's really just me. She knows herself what she's been doing and who she's right. been ordering around. Well, but I mean, Tyrion thinks, you know. Tyrion, I mean, Tyrion kind of plays her just like a fiddle. I mean, when she says, oh, so you'll be willing to... You know, as we'll as we'll get to at the end of the chapter, yeah. when uh, when she says, "So you'll you can be hand as long as you do exactly as long as you, whatever you do goes through me," and he's like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent, yeah, I'll do that, right. right?" You know what I mean? And it's and so she and she believes it. So that's mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah, it is. And it, so so it's all this big theme. It's like he has to do, like he's using. He's using the fact that she doesn't have access to her father to check up on all these things that he's saying about her father, and he's using that to his advantage. And he's using mm-hmm. his letter and everything else. So he's coming with this, with this plan. He's had time to you know ride and think about this, and he's gonna he's gonna question things like Lord Janus Slint, like who mm-hmm. the heck is this guy, and whose exactly. idea was it to 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 lift him up, and then whose idea was it to throw out Sir Barris and Selmy, you know. Right. Um, what is Varys the Spider doing? What's what's going on there? Who's finding all the money for us? Who cut off Ned, you know, Eddard Stark's head? That like was who whose idea was that? So he puts forward the idea that these things are crazy, but he says Father believes that it is that there's someone maybe who's trying to give them bad guidance or counsel. You know, they're on the small council. It could be one of those members. He says, "How well do you know these members? Are they loyal to House Lannister?" and Really, the reason I think why she ultimately caves at the end of this, we're just going to talk, I'm just talking big, large general here, I, mm-hmm. I think is because she realizes, yep, we've made a lot of blunders, and why I would rather my lord father and my brother think that it was someone else, and not yeah. me who was misguiding Joffrey, or who couldn't control him. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. thought just struck me as I was reading through some of this, so we'll uh, we'll see. But yeah, the first one that they bring up is, is um, well, let's see. They, they the, well, and also another big factor is he uses Jamie against yes. against her. Yes, time, he does. Right? Yeah, I, I like I like the point when she's just slapping him in the in the face like three or four times. <laughs> yeah, just like boom, 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 and he just keeps go, and he just keeps going. Right. Yep. Yep. He lets her mm-hmm. get get it out of your system. Yeah. yeah. But he does. He does. And I don't want to skip too far uh, too far ahead here, but. He does um, when he's talking about why it's a good idea for him to be hand mm-hmm. in terms of ruling Joffrey, which I think is really interesting, is he talks about that he knows that Joffrey kind of fears him, mm-hmm. and that's a and that's a good thing because then Joffrey will have to listen to him. Yep, but he Joffrey won't necessarily listen to you because you kind of coddle him and right. I mean, we see, and we see that he is he is scared of Tyrion until Tywin comes back, right? Mm-hmm. And then he and he does and he he does a couple times tell his mom off, right? Mm-hmm. Until Tywin until Tywin comes back. Yeah, yeah, and it's crazy. Yeah, like like it's just when Tywin does replace Tyrion, it's sort of then he falls to this 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 right. place where he, oh now I can insult my uncle and I can I can you know re- revenge will hit and the, everything the Hound warned him uh, would happen does happen. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. I mean that that that's sort of what is needed here, and Tyrion knows that. Um, Tywin knows it. Maybe Cersei even knows it to an extent. She just isn't willing. She's his mother, not not willing to um, right 
you know, to do what's necessary. She is regent, though. She is queen regent. And so. Right. So she certainly does have some authority there as well. Yeah. Um, so they look over the seal. Everything's good. They 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 realize that, okay, yeah, he's been sent here to be um, the uh, hand of the king, acting hand of the king. Uh, let's see. Uh, let, they, oh, they start talking about just so, like the state of the of the uh, city a little bit, mm-hmm. really, and and what is you know Lord Janus doing to kind of protect everyone, and what what's going keeping order, what's happening. I mean, at the end of this, Tyrion will take his sort of tour through the city, and he realizes right, that, and yeah, yeah, things are not not real good. Yeah, the, I like I like the line where he's uh, later where he's talking about the rats, talking about well, at least fresh rats are probably better than you know rotting mm-hmm. rats, but still, right. Right, exactly, yeah. Uh, okay, so she, now the big thing Cersei's upset about is there's no army. She wanted and she demanded, she sent a royal you know, decree, order, whatever, uh, to her father to bring his army back and to, per, and to protect you know, uh, them. And really, like, like the fact that he doesn't and he does send Tyrion, I mean, you have to imagine she's always trying to be this, uh, ma- she's trying to master the Game of Thrones. And really find her, I don't know, I, I think she wants her father to look at her and say, yeah, she really knows how to play it. Or she listened, she learned from me, right. whatever. And and she's a step behind here. She's realizing the fact that he didn't come right back, maybe it's not a good idea. And he, he must have, there must be a reason for it. You know, she starts to kind of question her own decision making a little bit, I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's 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 kind of that's her character arc in, in general, really, I, I would say, as certainly with all of her dealings with her father. Um, there's the line she has. Uh, I I think it's uh, it's obviously when Tywin comes back where she's talking about, you know, if I were a if I were a man, mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, then Castle Rock would belong to me. Which right. It should because she is she is the the better at playing well i mean i guess you you could certainly make an argument between her and Tyrion because we kind of know yeah you know, for sure. in the show and how it ends yeah um, Tyrion certainly survives but um i mean certainly at this point in in the game she's a much better player of the game of thrones than Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's the, the it's, it's the back and forth you know it's like who has the upper hand and and right now Tyrion's just showing up but he's He's really going to put her in a position where, I mean, he's doing what's right and he's putting her in check. And and uh, by the end of this chapter, he has her right where he wants her. So this is it's sort of like who has the upper hand and at what point in time. Uh, right. You know, so we just have to pay attention to that. Now, he, he does ask for like a word of like he wants a private word with his sister. So everyone kind of leaves. And I thought it was kind of funny. This is where um, Littlefinger kind of asks if, if he wants where does he want to uh, to sleep? You know, I'm going to talk to the stewards and try to figure out a place for you to to sleep. And he was like, well, you know, the, the, the Tower of the Hand. Right. That's about, that's mm-hmm. where I want to go. And it's just they talk about being maybe a, uh, almost like there's a curse on it, mm-hmm. you know. And you, you know what? What I when when I was reading this, what I took a, what I kind of took away up from it was, um, you know, you know, it's on one hand, is this just I, to me is kind of the, I, what I think is the brilliance of of Gurr's writing, is he, he talks about well, the last two people that had it died, essentially, yeah. and so you know it's kind of cursed, and it could just and it could just come across as a scene where okay, um, Littlefinger is trying to threaten Tyrion, but then you know you see Tyrion's wit and saying, well, really, you should say the four 
mm-hmm. or, you know, the, the four people who really want to scare me. And it sh- and it, they could just leave it at that. But then they go and explain it a little bit. And so you have this 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 dialogue that is, you know, about a paragraph long where you have Littlefinger playing the game, Tyrion showing that he's kind of he's better than Littlefinger at the game and his wit is his most important wit and intelligence is his most important quality because he's mm-hmm. a dwarf but at the same time Gur is world building yes yeah at the same and, time and, yep. and, cre- and creating and creating history and he just kind of weaves it all into this and that's just when I when I read that I, I you know I just like kind of took a step back and I was like god he's just, that's like that is reasons why people love his writing yeah he's because he 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 just he could just fit in and he does that and that's that's why when we talk about um and you you saw you saw it a lot in the show it's like man sometimes every line matters Mm -hmm. (laughs) every every line is so important when you really start getting into the deep theorizing because it's so all connected yeah absolutely yeah yeah you're you're right i mean that that is he's almost showing him that he's above the Game of Thrones doesn't even need to play it. Not, matter of fact, I'm going to take mm-hmm. you into a history lesson here. Um, but even in that maneuver itself, he was playing the game just better. Right. And and really, that was. Uh, which, and what's cool is Varys is witnessing all this too. And you know, mm-hmm. you know how their relationship kind of, kind of uh, will develop as we go through this story. So, yeah. Um, now they eventually get everybody out, and and he has a moment with his uh, his sister. You know, Varys. She she kind of. Uh, she lashes out, right? You know, he, what does Varys say? Something about uh, how, oh yeah, N- knowing I, I, that that uh, that he's yearned for the sweet sound of his sister's voice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, once they're out of there, they they start talking about just um, the state of things, and and she she's kind of like trying to flex her muscle in that like I could call this letter a forgery, just so you know, and everyone right. would buy it, and and that would be that. And they, I could throw, have you thrown in the dungeon. Uh, no one will ignore that, I promise you. So, and he said, yeah, no one. Uh, least of all our father, right? Uh, the one with the army. But why, uh, but why should you want to throw me into a dungeon, sweet sister, when I have come all this long way to help you? And, you know, it's just, again, it's, it, um, she doesn't want his help. She, there's, they're, they're very prideful, right? It's just that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but it, then it's like, at some point, to, to get to her, you have to get to, okay, well, this is your son, who she loves, who's who's making a, a mess of things, and then your brother, who you love, uh, is in a pickle, and mm-hmm. yeah. you're still making a mess of things. So Yeah, give me give me your support, and I promise you we will have Jamie freed and return to us unharmed. Yep. Yeah, and yep. then we learn, right, that uh, Cersei kind of messed up. Yeah, because I, you know, he, Tyrion says you still hold his daughters, don't you? I saw the older girl, and you know, and she says Sansa. She and she lets him know, well, we lost the other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the old uh, wretched dancing master, you know, interfered. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> What's going on there? Yeah, jeez. Um, but you know, then he go, then he goes on to say, "Well, we we still have one, so I think I think you know, basically, I, th- I think I think we'll be okay." And then they go into again, they go into a little bit more about um, Tyrion explaining why he thinks it's a good idea that he, Joffrey will listen to him. Um, you know, Cersei gives him a searching look. Joff has had no lack of good counsel. He's always been strong-willed. Now that he's king, he believes he should do as he pleases, not as he's bid. 
Um, he says, you know, Tyrion says, crowns do queer things to the heads beneath them. Uh, then he then he starts to ask some questions and get kind of caught up. You know, he asks, uh, you know, what happened with Ned Stark? And she explains, you know, Joffrey kind of went off the handle a little bit. And so he says, is Lord Slint? Is that his part? Um, you know, Littlefinger made the arrangement, she says. Um, you know, and so Tyrion's kind of catching up on what's all going on here. But at the same time, Tyrion's making a mental checklist of all of the things he's about to, <laughs> you know, correct. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I was thinking, um, Gosh, I was thinking, what is Sir, uh, is it Sir Kevin Lannister? Is that his brother, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, t- that's uh, Tywin's brother. Yes. Yeah. So by the time he takes up, like Cersei, really does make a mess of things. I mean, she does. She she is so like it's she is also I guess now that she's out from underneath um, Robert Baratheon, she's starting to kind of flex her muscle, trying to figure out what she wants to do here and how she wants to play the game and rule and maneuver pieces and all that kind of stuff and. And she does kind of fail uh, initially here, and mm-hmm. then Tyrion steps in. And I, I was just thinking ahead. I'm like, when does she really start to kind of, you know, get hit her, it? And hit her, hit yeah. her stride. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's, it's, I think it really. I don't think we've seen it in the book no. yet. In, no. in the show, I right. think it's, and I think we will see it in the book in in a similar fashion. It's going to be after, um. It's after she comes back from the from the sept after mm-hmm. her after her walk of repentance is yeah. really her kind of transformation um, move or, or arc there because now it's she's gone through her big her big struggle yeah and I think so I, yeah and I do I do think it's going to end similarly in the in the sh- in the book with her blowing up the sept of Baylor um, and I think that's when we'll see her maneuver a lot of those pieces around as well um, when we start getting her POV chapters. I always forget. Is it a feast for crows or a storm of swords where we start getting those? I think it's a feast for crows where we start getting the Cersei chapters. But you really—that's those are some chapters I really love where you start start to get her kind of internal monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and she talks about she talks. You know, we've talked about this before. How she talks about how um, you how heart how heartbreaking it was and and demoralizing yeah. and kind of degrading that when she marries Robert and he's. He doesn't really sleep with her. He called it a different woman's name. Sure. He whores around and drinks and makes kind of a mockery of uh, the crown, really. And, you know, these are the Lannisters. They're supposed to be above all of this. And what should be the the, uh, the family's most shining moment is kind of, you know, ruined yeah. because of Robert Baratheon. So they say, all right, we got to we got to fix this. Yeah. And that's actually a really good point, because when you try to think about things from just like a, a different point of view, I mean, Jamie Lannister kind of talks about that in the show too, just just how much he hates that that his sister goes through that, and just that he has to she has to even be associated with this guy, and you know standing outside of Robert Baratheon's door while he's in there whoring around, you know mm-hmm. I mean it, it is it's crazy you know that I, I just think about it for a second it's like if that was you know he, he, if you knew your sister was married to this man it's and you're supposed to be also protecting him and you're sworn to protect him jeez what a crazy spot for him to be and he never thought he would be in a position where he was going to have to do this i know there was the whole bit where maybe cersei was was going to be offered to to rhaegar and uh right. was was turned down and stuff but then you know and then jamie goes to the king's guard and everything but it, it's still this is not what they had envisioned and and um yeah, for for a prideful kind of you know family, the the lions here, House Lannister. They this is this sucks. 
And, and they've also been, their father's gotten that too from, you know, the Mad King, he, he was really, he was mis- mistreated as well by, by the Mad King. And so I think, yeah, they, if you look at it, because we just see everything's real stark heavy here in the beginning. And mm-hmm. and even Tyrion, when we see the other Lannisters, we see them through his eyes and, and he hasn't been treated very well by his family. So there's, there's that. They're spiteful. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's just yeah, interesting yes. to remember. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so their conversation ends. Um, you know, again, he just still asks a little bit more, um, gathering some more in, in, information. They talk about Joffrey a little bit. Um, uh, and I think it pretty much a- ends. So they, they talk a little bit about Lord John Aaron's death. And yeah. this is yep. when she's this is when she this is when she starts starts slapping Tyrion. He says, um, you know, the, the I'm sure I don't know that full Eddard Stark accused me of the same thing. He hinted that Lord Aaron suspected or well believed that you were fucking our sweet Jamie. She slapped him, you know, <laughs> like, right. do you yeah. think that I was as blind as father? Um, uh, who, who you lie with is no matter to me, as long as it doesn't seem quite uh, just that you should open your legs for one brother and not the other <laughs> she slapped him again uh be gentle cersei i it's absurd it's like ridiculous it's crazy. Uh, i'm only i'm only jesting with you if truth be told i'd sooner have a nice whore i never understood what jamie saw in you apart from his own reflection and so she slaps him again <laughs> and, and you know it's just it's it's just so it's just ridiculous there so um right then she then she talks a little bit about how how robert died um, and then uh, that and that that's that's pretty much the kind the uh, kind of the gist of the of the conversation. So then this is when Tyrion. Um, oh, well, he does he does have one kind of parting line here. He says one parting request: kindly make certain that no harm come to Sansa Stark. I would not do to lose both the daughters. And so, yeah, you know, just just one more kind of you know don't mess up again kind of rubbing right, you, uh you know in, in her face a little bit there so yeah jamie's life um, depends it, on it so yeah don't, don't absolutely mess it up. yeah absolutely so then we move to where he's kind of walking the streets and it's some stuff we talked mentioned earlier uh he's really just going to the broken anvil which uh you know seems like a whorehouse and so uh they're talking about the streets are dangerous and we talked a little bit about the rats and where they talk about that that the um we learned that you know not a lot of food is coming into the city with the war efforts and and all of that so um uh, that's kind of going on. So then really, I guess we should probably just go ahead and, and skip over to the um, when he gets to the to the to the anvil. Yeah, I mean, because he's there's a definitely a, a, a surprise there, right? He mm-hmm. when he comes in, he sees um, Varys, essentially. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and Varys basically uh, knows exactly who his um, companion is. Yeah. <laughs> How does he know? Well, I mean, he does say, right? He says that they that basically he was there when he rode in. I mean, Varys has eyes at mm-hmm. the gate, at every gate, and knew that there was something curious about this. Well, really, he's coming in with, with uh, the mountain clans, so that's going to raise alarm. Mm-hmm. That's going to spread quick. Absolutely. Like, uh, something's up. Right, and that's something that's something that should be pretty easily uh, noticed. Right. Yeah, he said, he said uh, forgive me if I intrude, Varys said. I was uh, taken by a sudden urge to meet your young lady. Man, yeah, yeah, and you know, and the interesting thing is, with the show being over, and with all the content we have in the books, we still have no idea how Shay showed up in that camp because it still seems like she was planted, and there's still a lot of mystery yeah. surrounding Shay. Right, 
Yep, 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 yep. I mean that. I mean, as 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 far. I mean, we don't know. I mean, we still don't know. Was it did Tywin send her there so he could kind of, you know, teach Tyrion a lesson? You know, through all yeah. of this. I mean, we don't we don't know. I mean, there's still a ton of mystery surrounding her. Yeah, really, that would be crazy, right? If Tywin that would, that'd be interesting if he was he knew this was a way to kind of control or manipulate or um, teach his son a lesson or whatever. That would be wild. Um, but yeah. yeah, so he's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you think she's? I don't know. So I always think about too, like when they talk about where the sand snakes are too. Like she kind of. I, I I don't know. I've often wondered if if like they talk about the. Uh, gosh, that just that some of them are missing, and that that one of them is it so. Uh, let's see, not Alaris. We often think Alaris. So Alaris is. Uh, considered uh, Solaris. So mm-hmm. I have no yeah. idea say her name, but like the one who's who's outplaying her game, mm-hmm. right? So that's who Dor Mar- Martell tells us is out and about um, playing her game. We get down here to the theories and pull this up here, right? Because it just says Sorella she, you know, Sand. She, excuse me. Right, exactly. Yeah. She shows up as a camp follower in Lord Tywin Lannister's army, right? You know that. So that's. She just shows up when she shows up, and then obviously, you know, she's with Tywin at the end, right before Tyrion kills her. But we never really get any uh, history to her. I, I, I'm certainly somebody, you know, who thinks I think there's definitely a lot more to her than just oh, she's just some random character that we find, and she just happens to be, you know, in this right place, at the right time, and then she's a big part of the story. Because it just, it just you, the, every 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 time she talks, everything it seems like she's, you know. She, it just seems a lot. She seems to know a lot more than certainly like a random commoner should know. Yeah, she does. Let me think here. I mean, there's there's some pretty crazy theories out there on on Shay and just and, and who she is. I mean, so she's born in 280 AC, and I know we've talked about her a little bit before. Um, but again, when I was looking at, uh, let me go back here to Cirilla Sand. because that was someone I know. You know, Alaris and the Citadel is is the commonly accepted situation there for Sorella. Um but she is also born in two eighty AC or two eighty one mm-hmm. AC and she is someone who Dora Martell says she's out playing her game. You know, they they want to know where is she? She is a, a woman grown almost twenty. Unless she returns to Doran, there's not I can do about Sorella save pray that she uh shows more sense than her sisters leave her to her game. So again, I know that's that's obvious people go right to well it's it's clearly um, Alaris or whatever, but there's someone like that though, maybe uh, fr- from a larger house or maybe even someone who, who, who she could be, uh, that is out playing a game who's just, she's there just because she wants to. And I often think too, maybe it's like revenge against the Lannisters, maybe like, you know, that's, that's something that, that yeah. Bourne is always about. And so people have often speculated that maybe if you're trying to get revenge on them and you're looking for weakness, this might be an area where because there's a story with with Tyrion. I mean, he's that story is is probably I don't know if it's well known or not, but I mean, that would be an interesting bit of information on House Lannister as to how his father tormented him essentially with with this uh um you know, his bride, if you will, right? Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, a lot of I'm I'm looking on Reddit and uh, just some of the the theories around her, but a lot of people are just talking about kind of her character arc and saying that one of the things she references a lot, you know, with, with Tyrion is, um, you know, how she's, 
you know, she she's grown up poor and she's, you know, doesn't really have a lot of nice things. And so, you know, Tyrion, at some, Tyrion will reference like, oh, I'll get you those things and stuff like that. And so maybe, you know, some people are saying maybe that is maybe that is just her character is that um, she's also someone, someone else who is also trying to play the Game of Thrones. So she latches herself onto Tyrion. Yeah, and then, a, and then and then and then given the opportunity, you know, she throws him under the bus, right? And then she, we find her with Tywin, and so maybe that's her character is just is just simply to be this sort of plot point for Tyrion. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm just gonna say something. This is this is just crazy, and I'm just gonna say. Uh, it. Go ahead and say it. I'm gonna say it. All right. So I know, and I I really went crazy with this whole uh, Rhaenys Targaryen theory. She was born in 280 AC, and you know, again, she was the one. She looked a lot like her mother. She had, she did not have those Targaryen features. Um, she was very Dornish, and that's something. You know, even the, the Mad King said she smelled Dornish, all of that kind of stuff. So she's born in 280 AC. Shay is also born in 280 AC, uh, or it says or 281. Not really sure. Um, Sorella Sand, okay, is also born in 280. AC. This is. So, I mean, I know that there's a lot of people who are born in around that time. And these are the characters we're dealing with, but they all have similar uh, characteristic. They're they're described with with having similar features and stuff. So you have like what could possibly be um, this lost Sorella Sand, who we don't know who she is. Is she Alaris? We have Shay, who we don't know where she's from really, and we have Rainies, who the only person who has ever said that Rainies is truly dead, because we have again young Griff. Okay, we have. Rhaenys Targaryen's brother is alive, supposedly. Okay, that was a huge bombshell of a right. drop in mm-hmm. A Dance of Dragons, and I was one of the people going like, "Are you flipping kidding me?" This whole time we've been told that he was dead. Um, and then this was the older sibling, so maybe less likely that you could fake that child's death, and so maybe she really was killed or something. But they were also beaten and mutilated beyond recognition, almost. That was the big thing with the Targaryen uh, children. So. Again, I know George said that the only person who said that she's not alive is, is it's George, and that's the person who matters the most. So that's why I stopped with my whole ramblings with Rainey's Targaryen. But still, I don't know. Shay has always been a mystery, and I think when you really, you know, try to figure out where she's where she's from and who she's maybe related to, it just it's so mixed. Yeah. Her her whole story is just. I don't know. I'm looking at so I'm looking at um, a theory, a kind of not really a. Th- it's not really like a big theory about her, but just a theory in kind of general. Uh-huh. I'm talking about how it is that she would have gotten into Tyron Tywin's chamber. Uh-huh. Um, and this person is saying uh, that, you know, is it, I think that Varys showed her the tunnel, the same tunnel he shows Tyrion because it, I, you know, Tywin Lannister is not the kind of person who would want, uh, you know, a whore. Sure. Yeah. Or right. Right, you know, or, yeah. right. Walking in and out of, the red keep so if that's the case then perhaps Varys knows about it or um you know whatever so that is kind of interesting how does she how does she get up there i still i don't i just don't i i don't think he would be the kind of person to just have her just you know come on come on up was that the first well, night that they they did it was that is that something that's been going on the whole time that's yeah, where yeah, i'm yeah, yeah. kind of interesting is it, you know was it you know who knows when well, and then again like is she just trying to work her way up the ranks or was she was she trying to take out the Lannisters one by one? And then if that's the case, why? And then, then people throw it back to, well, Dorne wants revenge on Tywin and all this kind of stuff. And she has some of those features and characteristics. And it's sort of like Tywin was also around for Rhaenys Targaryen's death and everything. So 
I mean, it it, it just is all uh, kind of wild. I would love if, if some of our listeners have thoughts on this. And again, maybe there's you know something I'm not seeing or I'm not uh, that I that I don't remember. It's just a vast series, and we've been reading a lot of other stuff. Like, I would love to to know more and uh, and and try to think about ways in which she could be someone. She also could just be again someone that you, as you're saying, Tywin just found her and said, "I know that I can use this individual." Uh, to get what I want or to manipulate my son or what have you. And maybe he has a thing for whores, you know? Maybe that's like father like son. You've often, I think you've said before in the past just that like like he realizes that, you know, truly Tyrion is his son. You know, Tywin has that sort of yeah, you know, absolutely. revelation where he's just like, yep, okay. We're, we're, the, we're, 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 we're the same in that and I don't, what I don't like in myself, I don't like in you. And maybe that's why he, he's, he harps on this so so much but yeah anyways all right let us know your thoughts on on uh oh shay there let's see what we, mm-hmm. we can figure out yeah i'm reading i'm finding this theory now about i guess it's kind of common is that mm-hmm. varus um so varus may have snuck her in there that night but then mm-hmm. like tywin you know as we find him on the privy because yep. uh, you know it's, it says that you know it's, it's talking about how like there was poison in Taiwan. Oh, and so that maybe Varys poisoned him, which caused him to be on like the privy, you know, like all night, right? Uh-huh. Um, and so he may not even never have known that Shay was there, and so then he like specifically plants her there when Tyrion goes in. No way. So that Tyrion would kill her, right? They, like, go, just losing his mind because at this point he has nothing left to lose, and kill Tywin to take them both out of the, you know, out of the picture for Varys. Cheesy cow, because again, Varys is is who we see, right. Also taking exactly. out another big Lannister he, later on. Exactly. Yeah. In the show, it's it's Cersei who kills uh, Kevin because he's at the Sept of Baelor. But in the books, Varys shoots him with a crossbow. Hmm. Perhaps yeah. paving, perhaps helping pave the way for, uh, you know, a, a Targaryen or you know, Blackfire by chance. But I don't know. That's kind of an interesting theory. So we'll have to dive into that one a little bit more. I, I just kind of, I just kind of found it here. But um, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely gonna do some research uh, on that one. So stay tuned for that because that seems that's there's a lot to that 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 could have a lot of implications. Dude, I, so I want to, I want to dive into that one a little bit more. That's why I, I love the Reddit community, and I just there's so many good you know theories and thoughts out there, and people who are the, the, the cool thing about well, one of the reasons we like to hype the book series again even more is that mm-hmm. it's not finished. We really don't yeah. have all the answers. Well, there's I mean there's the showrunners. Well, Right. Well, I mean, think about this. It, so this theory, you know, doesn't really make a lot of sense in the books because, well, I mean, or it makes, excuse me, it doesn't make a lot of sense in the show because you don't have all of the other Varys Targaryen connections and wanting to, you know, put a Targaryen on the throne and all of this stuff. I mean, there, there's a little bit, but um, in the books, there's, there's so many, there's different players because you have young Griff, mm-hmm. bald, game changer, right? Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, and he kills Kevin Lannister. That's a huge difference. You know, you, you don't just kill off a, a a main member of another person's house for, you know, for fun. I mean, it, there's obviously political motivations behind that. So, uh, again, that's where a lot of this stuff comes in. There's a lot more characters. People do different things. So, 
Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Now I got. Well, I now now I got to. I'm gonna have to dive into this theory. Well, it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's great because you, you also start thinking about like really the two individuals who are on that small council who we know are really vying for power and trying to, you know, play the Game of Thrones. You've got Littlefinger and Varys, and the more you look at, like it was hinted at here, the connection with the dagger. Tyrion's thinking about the dagger and Littlefinger. He's also talking flat out, asking you know Cersei how she was involved with. Um, uh, John Aaron's death and then Robert Baratheon's death and then you have go back to Varys with the Mad King warning him to not open his gates essentially you know because he was like like Tywin was was showing up and and uh, that was his old friend but Varys was someone who was who was brought in to kind of counsel the king and and warn him against it now you see him almost working to I mean he he loves the idea that Cersei's going to go crazy and just just destroy things she's doing his work for him but then when these other Lannisters show up who are trying to right the ship a little bit or whatever, uh, he finds ways to kind of, you know, use them and, and maneuver them in the way that he would like. And then he likes Tyrion. He has a bond with him, uh, essentially, and sees really where he's coming from. And he always talks about doing things that are good for the realm. And you're right, man. If he puts him in that position to take out those two individuals and then sends them off to help out. OK. OK. Can I, can I OK. Can I can I just read a little bit about this? theory? Yes. The shade. Yes. The shade there. OK. <laughs> hold on. OK. Hear me out. Here, OK. So this is from uh, it's on the Song of Ice and Fire wiki. Like they have their own. Re- um, yes. Kind their of own forums yeah. here. Um, so uh, it says, you. Um, what is this guy's name? Um, it doesn't actually say. OK. Well, uh if you just look it up, it'll it'll come up here. So okay. um, here we go. You all know that I'm uh, fond of the theory that Varys has planted Shay in Tywin's bed and glued him hours for hours on the privy by poisoning him in the same way that Tyrion poisons Cersei back in A Clash of Kings, right? Um, not like a killing, necessarily a killing poison, but enough to kind of make them sick. Yeah. So yeah. he says, I have always... Uh, thought it would be possible slash likely that Varys has brought Shay through the secret passages to Tywin so that they could, you know, hook up without anybody else knowing uh, that was there. And I'm pretty sure the conversation between Tywin's guard, which is overheard by Tyrion when he is about to visit Shay and Tywin, all but confirms this theory. It's just one small sentence. Two of his father's guardsmen were joking about the imp's whore, saying how sweet it would be to sleep with her and how bad she must want a real cock in place of the dwarf's stunted little thing um so he says i'm pretty sure the guardsman would not joke about shay or being her being in need of uh you know that mm-hmm. um if they had known that lord tywin lannister uh you know member mm-hmm. was occupied with shay right now yeah well and while they probably and while they joked about it they would likely not joke about the size of tywins although i'm pretty sure we have not you know whatever um, so he's anyway. Um, he says, had they seen Shay enter Tywin's bedchamber, they would most certainly not have dared to make fun of her, and ma- and as making fun of her would have been making fun of Lord Tywin as well. I don't see his servants uh, daring making fun of him while he's standing outside, you know, while standing outside his door, uh, maybe at home in a safe place, but not at a place where he might possibly overhear them. So what he's saying is because. These the, the these guys this guy's converse these guys conversations is not the kind of conversation you would have if you knew that she was in the room with Tywin, right? And mm-hmm. you know what what would they theoretically be doing? So it makes it seem like she had been snuck in there, and so Tywin is on the privy, and Shay's in there waiting for him, assuming he'll come out. And oh, you know, here's a here's a beautiful naked girl, and you know one thing leads to another, but he never sees her. 
because he's on the privy. So Varys takes Tyrion in, knowing that he will find Shay in his dad's bed, mm-hmm. and that what's going to happen? Yeah. And yep. what exactly what's going to happen? So it's really that that conversation, that little line where it makes it seems like the guards don't actually know what's going on, which makes it seem like okay, no. So she was actually snuck in there, and Tywin doesn't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because what is that? What it, now? I'm gonna have to look up exactly what it is Tywin says. Because he he, I think he he calls her the whore, almost as if it's like a question, not like, oh yeah, well I'm I'm sleeping with her too, but it's but you know mm-hmm. like when I when I, when I when I'm, just, I'm just I'm just thinking about that scene in the show, you know, just because yeah, I, I, not looking at the text, but I remember the scene, yeah, and I remember when he when he says what the whore. And he says it as as a way that's you know questioning like you know what are you what are you talking about? But Tyrion over gets a little overrage when he says whore and yeah. shoots him. Sure, yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying that's just it's just pretty interesting. Stuff. No, no, that is interesting. You know, another thing I forgot, and I'm just reading here on the Reddit because again we're looking at stuff that's you know happening down the series. And as we've always said, it's a yeah. reread. We're trying. We mm-hmm. sometimes we'll kind of jump ahead and. And and mm-hmm. take a take a and game sometimes here, we go so we, sometimes we get in some rabbit holes. It's a rabbit yeah, hole episode. It so is. Here we it, go. Yeah, that's okay because it's fun. I, I think it's a lot of fun to to speculate about this kind of stuff. Someone mentioned that they just I'm looking here on Reddit the idea that maybe she's just like the female counterpart to Bronn, being that like yeah she, you know he has affection for Tyrion but not enough to 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 enter into a deadly deadly trial by combat where he can't win you know or so maybe she has some genuine affection for Tyrion but not enough to put her life on the line and then someone else even mentions that the idea that she just leading into this whole the trial or even before the wedding that she was very interested in clothes and jewels and and things of that nature so maybe she really was just trying to uh you know work her way up or get some riches and to take advantage of this position um, and that she even goes back to Cersei and asks for those things later on. So that still fits into what you just said. It just kind of takes away the idea that she would be someone significant. It's just, it's it's really Varys tying up a loose end and also eliminating a, a Lannister, you know, the the big Lannister, yeah. you know, and yeah, then not having any of it tie back to him <laughs> and being able to, yep. to, to honestly say, well, I had nothing to do with it, uh, air quote, nothing to do with it. So, yeah, it's really interesting. It's she's she's always been like pretty tough to theorize and, th- you know, like like kind of figure out what what's going on there. So which makes me think maybe she's she just is what, you know, more closely, I, I guess, uh, is who she is as how, how she's presented. That was hard to say. Um, but, yeah. yeah. So there we go. Ooh. OK, cool. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So uh, now back to the chapter here. And I think just in. Mm-hmm. in kind of talking about some of this and, and wrapping it up uh, they are back you know he he, he played a game of uh, of wit with uh, Littlefinger when they were talking mm-hmm. about the um, the tower and where he was going to stay and all that good stuff right he kind of does that here with Varys a little bit as in like you know hands off they, they go back and forth about Shay really he's you know Varys is really letting him know that he He's here. He sees her. He's taking special interest in her. Um, and then, you know, Tyrion's also kind of reminding him uh, that I can play this game as well. And he's almost like proud of himself by the end of this chapter at, at how well he did play uh, the game. So, but so right. Varys, when he sees, he says, uh, um, let's see. Oh, okay. Shay laughed. Um, 
uh, well, they're talking about Chella and 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 mm-hmm. being uh, he's he's talking up his uh, clansmen and, and and the mountain tribes and everything. Um, Vera suited as if that was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. They're talking about the ears that Chella has, you know, around her neck and the the necklace of ears. Um, but there was no laughter in his eyes, and when he turned them on Tyrion, your young lady has an amiable way to her. I should take very good care of her if I were you. Uh, Tyrion says, I intend to. Any man who tries to harm her, well, I'm too small to be a black ear, and I make no claims to courage. And then this is his in- internal thoughts here. See, I speak the same tongue you do, eunuch. Hurt her, and I'll have your head. I will leave you, Varys Rose. Uh, I know you are weary. I know how weary you must be. Uh, so there's kind of the, the battle of, of, of words, if you will. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, to to wrap this up, he don't they go up and... Uh, yeah, yeah, they they go up and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, you know what they're doing up there. But um, it is kind of interesting because he's just talking a little bit about what what is Tyrion's plan now. You know, now that he has all this information and like what's he what's he planning on um doing? And uh, he says, "I'm going to do the one thing you know my sister wouldn't expect. I'll do justice." Yeah. Yep. So yeah, more on that. He really does play Cersei pretty well. And he does a, he he actually. I mean, he's. When you look at what he does, I know some of it's sort of like we think, wow, it's vengeful. He's being a little bit vengeful, or he's being whatever. He's trying to get back at Cersei or show her who's in control. But he's really working for the good of, I guess you could say, the realm or or House Lannister, and trying to right things and and maybe possibly create peace and what have you. So um, overall, he does a pretty good job, and I think that's really why Varys takes mm-hmm. the actions that he takes later on. So yeah. Okay, wow. all right, well, uh, we have a handful of ravens here, Sir Ezra. Yes, we do. Let me get down here. So we've got, uh, all right, so first up, we have uh, Sir Benjen Blunt, which I think is a great name, Sir, mm-hmm. Sir Benjen Blunt here, uh, sent us a raven. Um, I am the last son of Lord uh, Barth Barthmew Blunt, a liege lord to House Stark. We reside on the island of Skane, north of Skagos. Uh, thought to be uninhabited, we keep our presence there guarded to protect our greatest export, uh, which is weed. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we we have uh, held this secret for thousands of years by attaching horns to our neighbor islands. Uh, horses, over the years, we have successfully deterred attention from our tiny but busy patch of land. A plan that, in incidentally, was thought of after purple lightning struck a patch of witch's weed. My ancestors inhaled the smoke, and their minds were racing with new and insane ideas. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, we smoke the witch's weed and distribute it around the realm. <laughs> oh, gosh. Although milk of the poppy is used by the maesters, uh, it will be quite. Uh, it can be quite addictive, and given to uh, and given too much, uh, can put a man to sleep for days uh, or for good. But witch's weed relieves the pain and does not have uh, as many negative effects here. Uh, but moving on, <laughs> great little plug. Uh, I would like to give y'all a shout out. I love bend the knee, and House Blunt will bend their knee to no lesser podcast than this. Uh, for this is the best podcast in the realm. Uh, hey, we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am on my way to becoming a patron and will work up uh, slowly. I'd like to be in the Night's Watch tier by the end of 2020. Y'all inspired me to get into the book series, and I'm currently making my way 
through the reread in the podcast. I'm only on chapter 40 right now, and I listen to the chapter, then the podcast, while I take deliveries at work. That's awesome. That's really, you know, how we kind of wanted it to work. Uh, same thing that we do. We listen to the chapter, we read the chapter, and then we go to the podcast, and we, we kind of, um, you know, talk about it and discuss. Uh, I hope to be caught up by the end of the year. Audible is the best thing ever. Uh, yep, I agree. Uh, Lonesome Dove was the first book I got after um, I got the Song of Ice and Fire series, The World of Ice and Fire, and Fire and Blood. I haven't gotten into it as much as I did A Song of Ice and Fire, but I'm making my way. Uh, I also got a physical copy of A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. There we go. All right. Um, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not as good at just actually reading. Okay, okay. I thought he was going to say not as good. Uh, I was like, sir, that's about to jump out the... uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to uh, okay, buddy. No, but not not as good uh, at just actually reading, but I'm making my way through it. And actually, who reads that? Um, the guy, uh, shoot, what's his name? I just lost his name. Oh, the, uh, Harry, the, Harry Lloyd, the, the Viserys yes. Targaryen, does yes. the Audible book for that. Yes, he does. Yeah, It's great. It's it's, it's, it's actually really cool. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to send you all this email just to let you know uh, to keep up the great work, and I can't wait to keep listening for the years to come. Um, oh, my origin story with Game of Thrones. I started watching in 2012. It was just about the start of the second season. I got caught up. Um, I stayed current since then. Stayed away from the books for some reason. I can't remember. Then March of this year, I looked for a Game of Thrones podcast to listen to. Uh, what other people were talking about uh, in regards to the series and how it would end. I found your podcast, and it's been uh, all about the books ever since. Um, so y'all did a great job in plugging the books and not pushing them. Oh, cool. Um, I really like how open-minded y'all are with new theories, and here is mine. Um, So, now Doreen mentions there was once two moons, then one came too close to the sun, cracked, and the dragons came out. What if there was truth to that? And possibly with the name Blood Moon as one of the prequels, possibly this moon was red, like a ruby. It's only a start of a fragmented theory. I just wanted to throw it your way uh, and see what you thought. Keep up the great work. I will see uh, you soon and be contributing to the cause. Also, here is my sigil, and he did send in a pretty sick, uh, you know, like uh, this this uh, artwork. It was a he drew his sigil out, and it's actually pretty cool. I have to post that in the group. So that was from Sir Benjamin Blunt. Yeah, um, it's unfortunate because now we may not know. Right. Uh, because that prequel, unfortunately, got canceled. But I do th- I do think that 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 legend, right, about the about yeah. the second moon and then the um, and, and then it opening and then a dragon coming out, whether it's any any kind of dragon, possibly an mm-hmm. ice dragon mm-hmm. or something like that, because, uh, you know, we if you go back to the episodes where we, we were plowing through a world of ice and fire. Um, it does seem like there's just a sudden shift a lot in the, in the stuff that's going on in the dawn age. Yeah. Um, it, it, because it's so vague in its description. I mean, there's, there's possibilities of all kinds of things, um, happening. Yeah. Well, like, like if there was a collision, I mean, I don't know, like, it's just kind of crazy to think like, were there like, like you go back that far and you think about. Were there other, uh, whether it's comets or an, or an asteroid, whatever that was that maybe hit Westeros or that hit this, you know, near Valyria and dragons kind of came out of that or what, what? What's the whole deal? It would have been neat to see or, or at least to have some connection to astrology in there. Uh, and it was neat that it was named Blood Moon. 
That is really cool. I didn't really think too much about that. And I actually hope maybe, I don't know, just depending on how well this goes, like they took one step back into the histories and they didn't go, you know, they went not quite 300 years uh, backwards. So if that's successful and it's doing well, Mm -hmm. maybe they will go back even further. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's absolutely something they could. for it, yeah. Yeah, they they could revisit, um, you know. And so it's just with with the prequels, they said that they had five, planned and they've that they've been working on and you know we we first heard about blood moon or the long night or whatever it is that whatever it is they were going to call it and that just seemed to be the one that was getting publicized the most um but then they announced that one was kind of scrapped and they are moving forward with the other one that we had just recently heard about uh um what is it what is it called actually uh that they're uh, house of the dragon i think um oh the the new yeah um the new one yeah and you know we had heard a little bit about that one but it seemed like oh okay that's going to be the second one and then when they said no we're canceling blood moon we're going forward with this one the one that's going to be the dance of the dragons they said no this is way further along than we thought so they're house of the dragon yeah and so they're really keeping potentially three more really under the wraps and they who knows how far along they are so it is possible that some of that stuff could still happen or they're going to revisit some of those other ones but that that's what uh, george r. r martin has said is there's five there was five planned yeah and so you know some are going to some are going to make it some aren't so we'll find out but huh. yeah and it might be one of these things where if this one does really well and they say you know it's time to expand then we'll we'll get that i mean keep in mind at one point in time there were um, there were like three Star Trek shows on at once. I think there was like I think yeah. it was I think uh, what was it next Star Trek Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and Star Trek Voyager were all on at the same time. Um, and you know George R. R. Martin certainly said when talking about this that you know if we can have like CSI New York and Miami and whatever other CSIs there are, I don't I, I don't know, but there's certainly enough room for multiple shows about Westeros. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so anyways, yeah, thanks to uh, Sir, Sir Benjamin Blunt there. Yeah. We, we really appreciate it, and that's that's awesome. Glad to have you along. And, and uh, man, guys, I mean, I don't know. There, some of that uh, witch's weed up there is sounding pretty uh, mm-hmm. pretty potent. I, I, here, here's the thing. Here's here's a here's a plug. Well, okay, well, I'm not, I, I ain't plugging any witch's weed on this podcast, okay? But I will okay. say if, if Sir, Sir Benjamin wants to, I mean, maybe, you know, I'm sure that is causing some, some – letting the mind wander and think so maybe he'll be sending us some more theories you know hey that's fine with me so now that, now that he's in the books here it really gets wrapped up in it that'd be cool okay all right well uh this next one is from uh brett from the land of corn huskers yep uh dear good uh, sir knight i found your podcast after i got caught up on another podcast our friends over at swish and flick uh that prompted this i absolutely love the reread and am looking forward to the rest of these podcasts i'm still on the first book but up to chapter 19 john 3 i'm sending this raven to see about becoming a, a a knight and swearing my allegiance to this podcast and no other podcast like it please let me know hey Go yeah. right ahead, man. You yeah. Know, so here's we're the thing. All for it. Absolutely. And so and so, uh, Sir, I'm gonna go ahead and call him Sir Brett because he is actually uh, one of our newest bannermen. And so shout out to him. Uh, he's uh, Sir Brett of House Fry. And so I would love to, you know, formally. Uh, we still do the knighting ceremonies, and we mm-hmm. we make them. We make people, you know, swear swear their allegiance. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, pr- pretty cool. 
um, and glad that he was able to, to join up uh, with us here. And he's also, I believe, he's a listener over too on Hyperspace Hangout. So yes, uh, glad yep. to have him there as well. He's a part of the old um, council. Okay, this next one is from uh, Sir Mouth Matthew of House Perry. He says, uh, what's up, fellas? Greeting from cold and chilly Minnesota. I am writing this Raven today because I finally came up with a backstory for my house. I've been a longtime listener of the podcast, and I've written to you guys a few times. It took a while, but now I think I've had enough time for the thought of this backstory of my fabled house. I hope it doesn't disappoint. Uh, I am of House Perry, a smaller and lesser house, but fierce and proud. We are sworn to the Martells of House Dorn. Wow, that's a first. We, we haven't held anybody really swear, uh, mm-hmm. kind of yeah, say cool. they support them. Yeah. Um, but our liege lords are the Danes of Starfall. Let's, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. And yeah. that's that's not us just saying that. that he has the, he has that he, in parentheses. In parentheses, so, uh, let's go. We yeah. here. Uh, we have a small but modest castle along the eastern coast of Dorne named Sunfire. We defend by the la- uh, we're defended, well defended by the landscape, ocean to one side of the mountains to the other. It is not an easy feat to capture our noble castle. Our house sigil is three fiery orange arrows upon a red field with a yellow sun in the backdrop. We are known as the realm of uh, we're known to the realm as the arrows of the sun for. Uh, our house has always been a legendary military unit. We are trained at bow from the youngest age until each child has mastered the skill. Across the realm, we are feared in battle, for our arrows can reach the smallest of targets and the farthest of distances. Each archer is chosen with much uh, much thought. A keen and sharp eyesight is required from every soldier. You know, there is a... In the Game of Thrones Telltale game, there yeah. is a house... Um, that is, uh, that you become you become allied with who has like these super elite archers. Um, I can't mm. remember what that house is, but um, uh, yeah, great I game need, by the way. I it's need, an unfortunate, it, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's only one season because Telltale uh, shut down. So, hey. but uh, they, they're Walking Dead games. I know are really good, and uh, they do a Batman one as well. Yeah. Um. And he says anyway. So we accompanied the legendary Sir Arthur Dane in his quest to root out the Kingswood Brotherhood and witnessed his duel with the Smiling Knight. Sir Arthur took the arrows of the Sun, um, with him wherever he did battle because he believed their skill and prowess at the bow was extremely valuable in war. We trace our heritage back to Nymeria and the in uh, the Roin for when she settled in Dorne. Our house was one of the first to be established after her conquest. The Roynish influence was more prevalent in Eastern Dorne, but oddly the traits of their people still managed to spread in the farthest western parts of Dorne. We have an ancient Roynish white dragonborn uh, bow named Garin's Ghost. It has been passed down for generations throughout our family and is used in battle by the Lord of Sunfire. <laughs> Truth be told, our house is ancient and noble and we do not back down from battle. Our house words are our arrows will blot out the sun. Awesome. That yeah, uh, yeah. I love them. Yeah, people who t- want to take they want to take time and they 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 write it out and they put it all together. It's great. I love it. Yeah, can, can um, I just real quick? I want to say like that that his uh, the bow. By the way, it mm-hmm. reminds me of like you know uh, Dawn and the sword mm-hmm. and, and having a sword mm-hmm. or or you know some piece of something that you pass down. It's sick. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he says, uh, on a more scholarly note, I would love it if you guys did a green dream on Sir Arthur Dane and further explored his past and any other known information about him. He's such a boss of a character, and we as fans need to know more about him, especially the theories about him being Corn Halfhand or Mance Raider, one of my favorite characters that we just don't know much about. Well, cheers for you guys and all the work you do. Every week, I look forward to listening to all that content for years to come. Sir Matthew of House Perry. So uh, I think we have done a handful of of of, we've well, certainly mentioned that theory a yeah. handful of times. I don't know if we've done a very specific episode on it, yeah. but we've certainly referenced it in a lot. I know there's a handful of Patreon episodes. Well, no, actually, I think we did a... I think there is a, a Mance Raider is um, Arthur Dane Patreon musing out there. Well, so when we did Follow Up Friday, it, it came up you know, from time to time, and, and that lot. was the thing. But I, I actually would be completely down to do, you know, we, around uh, Christmas we typically do, we pick something and put it on the main feed, or even at the start of 2020 we talked about we, we need to update the, uh, the the calendar and get a few things there, figure out what, what we want to do uh, theory-wise. I am absolutely down to talk about Sir Arthur Dane and make connections to, I mean, jeezy cow, the number of times that, that uh, Corn Halfhand shows up. When he shows up, Don shows up with him. I mean, the dawn, it's always in the dawn. It's just, it's crazy. The number of times that there's a reference to him uh, and, mm-hmm. and Don, it's really cool. So, yeah, I'm down, I would be interested in, in doing that. And uh, there's there actually, you could go, I mean, Mance Raider, too, as another option. So, there's a lot of different cool connections you can make with Sir Arthur Dane. And even just talking about his histories and his actual feats and, and, and how, you know, we were looking at him in regards to the tourney at Harrenhal and what was going on there. What did he know? What role was his sister playing? You know, are they both still players in this Game of Thrones and we just don't know it? You know, that it's such a legendary, cool character that it's just hard to believe that Eddard Stark and a couple of his boys could show up there and beat him. You know, mm-hmm. it really is hard mm-hmm. to believe. So, okay. Okay. All right. You want to um, read this next one, Sir Ezra? Yeah. So we have Sir, Sir Douglas of the Burning River uh, sent us something here. And he, you know, I, I want to tell Sir Douglas. I, I, I saw this and I saved it. I wanted to make sure that we read this uh, after uh, a certain football game took place. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my lords, it has been a while since I have sent a raven your way. I just got done listening to uh, the uh, Catelyn um, 11 episode where the young wolf gets crowned king in the north. And I got so many nostalgic, I got so nostalgic about the Jon Snow king in the north scene at the end of season six. Yes, it's one of Sir Matt's favorite scenes. It is. Yeah. Uh, since my last Raven, I am just about done with the first reading of the series. I have a world of ice and fire, fire and blood, and a night of the seven kingdoms all on deck as we patiently await the release of Winds of Winter. You know, that is one of the things. So, you know, obviously you guys know Sir Matt and I are just huge fans of the series and everything. And it's like, as we were waiting, that's why we started this. We we wanted to, you know, as people came in after they finished season eight, whatever, like pick up the books. Let's let's, uh, speculate together and and really dig deeper. So really cool that people are, are, are doing that. Um, okay. So here we go. So he's got all those things on deck, but, uh, this leads him to this question, which is with the passing of Roy Detroit in, uh, 2017, who do you think will take over the role of recording the audiobook for winds of winter and dream of spring? I know that Harry Lloyd reads a night of the seven kingdoms, but for me, uh, it just isn't going to be the same with Roy Detroit's, uh, with, without his voice. Personally, I would love if someone like, uh, Ian Glenn would take over. Totally understand if this raven is too dark to read. No, nah, I think it's fine. This is, this is kind of a fair fair question. I'm interested to see who they're going to choose as well. 
Um, also, I really enjoyed listening to the one Q&A episode where you two uh, just kind of talked about your lives growing up. I didn't realize that you both went to the Ohio State University. Yeah, get the the in yeah, there. Yeah, we appreciate the respect there. Uh, <laughs> um, so I am a Penn State alum myself and was at the, quote, Tyler Durbin super reliable inside of the 40. This is from the 45 and it's blocked game, uh, which was interesting. Um also, Sir Matt, I support the Dragon Ball podcast 1,000%. Wow. Well, you know, again, we're, we need over 9,000% for it to make it happen. So yeah, We're going to need you know, about, you know, yeah, eight more uh, individuals to, to get in on that. <laughs> um, yeah. So thanks, as always, your humble hedge knight, uh, Sir Douglas of the Burning River. And I, yeah, I, obviously, you know, I was, I'm kind of teasing, but, you know, we did just play Penn State and it was, it was an epic game. It was a good game. It was, hey, it was, it was a good game. Yeah, it was a good game. So yeah, I mean, we won because we're probably winning. That's why it was a good game. I don't want to say I don't want to jinx this. I got. I don't want to. You know, we're doing pretty well though. Okay, right. Yeah, watch I mean, out. If you watch college be, football, should, I mean, you know we, the Buckeyes we, I mean, are killing it. We should be number one, but that's you know, yeah, for, that's right. a different story, right? Right. I mean, but if, no. Alabama, if Alabama can play Mercer and stay number one, how can we, you know, hey, not be you no, not get to number one and then get dropped out? You know, come on. Funny now. thing here, quick side tangent. Go back. Uh, this is a plug for our social media. So go to go, go follow uh, Sir Matt at Super Gains Bros on Twitter. Go back about a month, and I think you influenced the the college football playoff committee because of all oh, your tweets about Clemson. They fi- yeah. it finally got through to them, and it I did. I, I they dropped Clemson at number that. five. You know, yeah, exactly. You got to play people to stay in. Okay, I mean now yeah. they're in because you know, well, yeah. unfortunately Oregon lost this weekend and that just ruined yeah. it for everybody because now crazy. somehow somehow Alabama's going to find their way in. I know. And, yeah, it's just it's 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 all it's it's rigged. It's all rigged. Like you know, you could have four you could have four undefeated teams and Alabama could have two losses and they could say, well, you know, it's Alabama. <laughs> Oh boy! I can't wait for our for our Alabama listeners to write in. Be like, are you guys serious? Look, come on. It's okay. I know we've had some uh, some listeners from that state up north, uh, but you know it's been cordial. So, yeah, it's been cordial. That's good. We appreciate Mm -hmm. you guys. And you know what? Actually, quite honestly, I root for that team when it's I do. Yeah, when they're not every 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 week, but this coming week. So exactly, exactly. So, um, I will say though, we we uh, maybe around the holidays or something around um. You know the uh, whether it's Christmas or New Year's, whatever it may be. Like Q uh, and A episodes are fun, so if you guys want one, uh, we're always down to do that. We've got uh, we talked at the top of the show about the battles we've won and the and the places we've been and, and stuff like that. So uh, that's some that's some crazy stuff. We get some crazy questions from people, and and some of those we we do get ravens about this. Just general questions from time to time. We I am stockpiling them just in case we ever want to do this episode again, but. It's one of those you do about once a year, you know, maybe twice at most, and it's a lot of fun. So, absolutely. Um, all right, cool. So now with that, uh, so thank you for the Ravens again. You can always send those to btkcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love it. We're gonna try to we're gonna try to read more of those. And just like today, you know, if a rabbit hole kind of pops up, or you guys send something, you know, a, you know, a, a chapter's coming up, uh, and you want to send us something to kind of help us dive down a rabbit hole, we're all for it. I love it. It makes the conversation better. And that's a part of uh, be, being a book club. So uh, I went through and it took me forever, but I have kind of cleaned out a lot of the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the Gmail, the, the Raven's mm-hmm. Nest. Um, mm-hmm. So that's 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 good. Um, and with that, so on to Man the Wall. And I, I just want to make a quick plug here. 
um, if you are interested. We were talking about archers earlier, and all I could think of was Tamal Thor. I'm sorry, excuse me. All I could think of was Tamal Thor, you know, from the two rivers, okay, seeking the void, being a, a, a you know, a great archer. So I just want to mention if you would like to, our new podcast is out uh, Heroes of the Horn, a Wheel of Time podcast. You guys can check that out. The welcome episode is up, and we are starting uh, with the first book in, on January 1st. 2020 yep there's a there's a there's a teaser and a welcome episode up there so all right well um i think it's time to sign off it is so we want to thank you for playing the game of thrones in our next episode we will be discussing chapter four brand one of a clash of kings if you like our podcast don't forget to subscribe like us write a review leave a comment or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com we'll see you in a week and remember that the night is dark and full of terrors Thank you.